0: We'll this is Dan Williams and you're listening to the pocket mentors podcast this is a show that could not have been created without the help of all my amazing guests they range from brand builders to therapists from co-founders and founders to motivational speakers from business mentors to managing directors and CEOs running their own businesses at this time the one thing they've all got in common is that they're all facing their own challenges They're going through the same ups and downs that you're about to experience. So they talk about their highs and lows, the journeys that have got them from A to Z, and how they've overcome all these incredible obstacles and they've become resilient and come out stronger. They really want to share their stories with you to help you, whether or not you're creating your own business, your own brand, or if you're currently in your own business and you're facing your own challenges at this moment in time. I really believe that this podcast can help you no matter where you currently are with your life. So sit back, get on your bike, plug in your headphones, go on your run, start your cooking, whatever it is you're about to do by listening to this podcast and enjoy. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest to the show, Jane Keogh. Uh, Essentially, she helps people deal with their shit. So um, she looks after people and helps them from a personal and professional development perspective, um, operates in non-judgmental ways and helps with tools and techniques. Um, So it's going to be a really fascinating listen. So hi, Jane. Thanks for coming on.
1: You're welcome, Dan. Great to be on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They were completely Jane's words. but
1: (laughs) You kind of built up this kind of like, it's going to be interesting. Well, it might not be. It's
0: fascinating how you've got to where you've got to. So... If you could just take us along that journey, that would be great.
1: Yeah, I, I guess, well, I think you get to a certain point in life, don't you, where you realise that you've got stuff that is triggering all the time and it's having an impact on your life. Yeah. And so initially I got into this side of um, coaching because I wanted to sort my stuff out. And so I made a choice um, just approaching my 40th birthday that I needed to sort out my own shit that kept on playing a role in my life. And I was sick and tired of it. And it wasn't that I had had bad life in fact I'd had a great life but I wanted to be able to live the rest of my life in a much more flowing and happy and joyful way yeah so initially I started off looking at my stuff which I think is principally the most important thing because then you can hold the space for other people to deal with their stuff and I'm very empathetic because of my own journey
0: yeah wholeheartedly
1: so,
0: I definitely yeah. you've got to look at Look at your own yourself before you begin to give any advice to other people. It's, it seems to be all around that age, actually. I've got a lot of friends that have done the same, and I ended up having some coaching and some mentoring, some help myself, actually, um, a few years ago, and it definitely helped from that side, so I can understand.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it was kind of like initially like that, and then I realised that actually it sort of kind of lined up very much with my whole career, really. I'd always been in the people side of things, sales development, you know, sales manager, sales director, that type of thing. And I was really interested in the psychology of people and what made a person motivated because I don't believe you can motivate anybody. I think it's motivation comes from within. And so it was kind of like, well, I was an early adopter of the whole, well, what goals does this person have? And how can us as a business support that person achieve their personal goals and the company their professional goals and then marry the two things to get better results and of course not everybody is motivated by money for the sake of money for stuff material things there are other things that motivate them so it was that kind of thing so I became fascinated about what made one person tick and just understood very early on that one style of management doesn't work for across the board
0: yeah (laughs) most definitely everyone's unique aren't they Pardon? everyone's unique
1: yeah yeah and that's very much the principle of the work that i do it's you know there's a lot of comparison i mean i see it i've, I've talked to a lot of parents of teenagers that don't work with teenagers because their brains aren't properly formed they they do not develop properly until their late teens early 20s okay um, but it's like i say to them you know you can't you can't no one can judge a teenager at the age they're at and say that they're going to be this that and the other because they don't have a proper idea of what that person's capable of at that stage and so it's it's really understanding that they are unique and that because they're unique it means one of a kind and we have to treat each person as that individual rather than as a collective and unfortunately the school system does that doesn't it
0: yeah, it does. Yeah. That's why I've gone down a different route to a lot of people, actually, from a homeschooling perspective. But I think if you're teaching that many people, it's difficult to do it any other way, isn't it? But...
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and it's also the language. I'm really, really passionate about language and words that we use and how a statement, a single statement or a word can have such a negative impact on someone. So I'm really, really keen. And, you know, you hear languaging in schools that, and um, you know, I, I don't think people are particularly aware of how those words impact on the belief and confidence of a youngster. So I think it starts way back then.
0: Yeah, so no, definitely. it's cool
1: is where a lot of the damage happens. And I don't think it's intentional, but that's where it starts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So where did, where did you start, Jane, before you got into this part of it? Like where, from the sale, like what were the sales kind of roles you were doing beforehand then? That,
1: oh well. I guess I think I I was at a girls' school in in Surrey. My parents lived abroad. And the careers department was absolutely shocking, shocking. You either were a wife and got married and had babies or you were a secretary or you were a nurse or a midwife. That was basically the kind of jobs that were on offer for us. And they just, I mean, I think they're great roles, but they just didn't do it for me. So I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I, um, I think good
0: advice up. at that age though is, like, who does know what they want to do at, at that point in their life? It's really t- challenging, isn't it? I, I still, I don't think I really knew. I still don't a hundred percent. I love what I do, but I've, I could never have once imagined that I'd be loving doing what I was doing ten or fifteen years ago. Let alone. 25 years ago now when i was 15 speaking to a careers advice it was always like these dream jobs or something like that or a primary school teacher It was always very limited and the world's changing massively isn't it but so back then you you had a load of choices available to you then
1: well obviously not very enticing
0: (laughs) no not at all
1: and I mean, this is, this is part of the issue, you know, I, I remember from a very early age being told that I was in my head, I was dreaming, I was fantasizing, and I got these dreams constantly squashed. Yeah. And you know, if only that hadn't have happened...
0: It should be the opposite. Mind? Pardon? It should be the opposite, shouldn't it?
1: Exactly, exactly. So I heard Joe Wicks saying to, uh, on his Instagram you know, Joe Wicks, the body coach, he was saying to his little girl, who I think is around 18 months, maybe two years old, um, he tells her every night before she goes to sleep to dream, you know, you know, you know, dream big, fulfill your dreams, you can do anything that you want to. And I believe that to be true, because if it means that much to you, the how won't get in the way. Yeah. You know, it's when it's, oh, I'm trying to meet that expectation of my mum or my dad or the teacher or my partner or my sister or my brother or whoever, uh, and you're going along conforming and doing what you think's expected of you, that it then becomes hard work. Yeah,
0: no, I couldn't agree more. I think it's insane. It's your life to lead, not anyone else's, isn't it?
1: Exactly. And I think the school system doesn't allow for... Um, so many things and for the development of these youngsters in, in, in this day and age so and, and I mean I, my heart goes out to all the parents out there and to the teenagers who who are in this limbo state right now because of the coronavirus you know but and heaven knows I mean there's a lot of anxiety I've been contacted by a tutor you know a school tutor
0: yeah
1: Um. she's a she's private tutor to say you know is there anything you can do to help these kids and I've got, as you know, some meditations that are available. So I've suggested those in the first instance.
0: Yeah, I can um, highly recommend the 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 gratitude, the guided meditation of an evening. I fell asleep very quickly, it's not a that, that doesn't. That's not how I'm judging the actual meditation itself, though. It's very very okay. simple, that's for sure. And I know it's of- subconscious, isn't it?
1: And I've done a visual version of that as well, that you can see as well, so that if you wanted to do it in the daytime, um, it's, you know, with your eyes open, but it yeah, still yeah. has the same But so going back to your point, it was, I had no clue what I wanted to do. And then I just happened to come across a job in the Algarve in Portugal, that was basically working for a guy who looked after holiday apartments. His father built them, and then he maintained them for the people who bought them. Okay. So I was front of house there, and I greeted the guests and showed them to the apartments and all that kind of stuff. Then got into the hotel industry naturally, um, and then um, after a bit of disaster of a first relationship marriage, um, where I found out my husband was a heroin addict when I was seven months pregnant. I ran away and came back to the UK. Wow. <laughs> got my daughter with me.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> and, <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah. and then got into hotel sales, you know, kind of like events. And then went into the car industry, believe it or not. Weird contrast. Yeah. Um, and um, met a lot of businesses because I was fleet sales. Oh, okay. And then I got poached from there to go and work for a company doing disaster recovery before the internet.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: we had mobile computer rooms that we sold the the concept that if they'd had a disaster or a fire or flood, we would then wheel this machine in on in this trailer and connect them all up, and their disks were, f- you know, safe off-site in a fireproof safe and what have you so um that was before we got the internet (laughs) so uh and that company was failing when i when i joined it and i built it up from basically um losses into a very very profitable organization and developed a sales team so that's where i started mentoring and growing people
0: okay and how did you go about bringing those guys together then, especially before the internet. And like, there's a lot of, I know I get a a lot of, um, knowledge and advice and tips and I read a lot of books, but there's also Ted talks, YouTube, all this sort of stuff. So how did you go about bringing your sales team on at that stage?
1: I think primarily it was instinct, total and utter instinct. I'm very instinctive and I'm very intuitive and um also i was very um aware of how i'd been treated along the path and what i liked and what i didn't like and that type of thing as well so i always came from the theory of putting myself in the person's shoes and being interested in that person asking them questions about them what did they want why were they doing what they were doing and really trying to sort of like get underneath the surface and understand what it was that's gonna make that person grow
0: yeah I definitely like the learnings from what you don't like and then just doing all the other stuff that you know works and stuff like that, definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, I then found that I had to deal with my own triggers because I'd sometimes get frustrated that there was me trying to help someone and they weren't wanting to be helped yeah. and they weren't doing the things they needed to do to help themselves improve. But then obviously understood with my own development that, you know, you can lead the old horse to water, but, you know, you can't make it drink. So, um, yeah, it's, I suppose, and then over the years I became much more allowing, much more in flow, much more, okay, well, this person is responsible for themselves and helping them understand that.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, but then, um, so then that business was bought out by an American company and my ex-husband worked for them and I worked for the other subsidiary company. Okay. So he was on two boards. I was on one board and it went into a legal dispute and they were removed and I was stayed and we fell out with them and it went to court and uh, it was just a messy, messy situation. And we swore, I found out I was three months pregnant with my son and it was like, we are never working for anybody ever again.
0: Okay. So that was like the pivotal moment. Okay.
1: Yeah, The stress that that court created in that time was just, awful and i thought no never again i'm going to be in control of my own destiny That's... and so we bought an established business that okay. um, uh, was a medical agency that basically supplied operating theater personnel to the nhs and private sectors and what for... led you to,
0: cho- to choose that were you just looking for businesses that were for sale at that point and then you yeah finding one it that fascinated a... you Or
1: It was a very interesting business. It um, wasn't run particularly business-like. It had lots of potential. It was making a profit, but could make more. Okay. And yeah, and it was something that we had no clue about. And I like that challenge. I really enjoy the not knowing something and then learning it. Um, So yeah, and that's still going. My ex-husband still has it, actually.
0: And what? That is fascinating. So you were just looking you both decided that um, you were never going to work for anyone ever again because it was just an absolute shit fest. And then you were having a look at businesses for sale. Then how would you value that business? And if if you knew nothing about that profession at all,
1: well i suppose it's looking at what the system what systems were in place there weren't any systems in place in the first instance um but i mean i I mean my ex-husband was the finances you know he he focused on the finances and i focused on the people we were very complimentary in our
0: um
1: and um i think it was i think we found it through um some kind of broker and they had and then we looked at all the accounts and all that kind of stuff, bit of negotiation and what have you. Yeah. Um, but then that led us into other business opportunities. We had various businesses where I, I set up a travel business because we both like travelling. That was the main reason for it, but
0: it did very well. So you, were still, um, the medical one, was there going, and then you thought that's not enough anymore. We're now going to mm-hmm. do travel as well. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so then and was that one you set up yourself or that was one you it was was a franchise oh okay so you bought into a franchise on that okay
1: we bought into a franchise then we also my we got involved with a computer business that we bought out and that went for we had that running for over seven or eight years i think it it made about $7 million in the end, but um, the sales team left overnight and that business, it was around 9-11, and that oh, okay. business went overnight. Um, the lesson from that was that I was very interested in the people, but my ex wasn't. He didn't like the people side of things, and oh. the sales team got very disgruntled with that. They didn't feel valued by him. Oh, and okay. um, So you were
0: involved still at that point? Pardon? you still involved with the business though i
1: was i was but you know the sales team and sales director left and overnight we had no business wow so um but we think those
0: skills would be very complimentary wouldn't you if you've got someone really keen on the finance and that side of the business and then you've got the other person who's really into the people skills and the softer skills if you like yeah it
1: was it was it was what it was. It was a big mistake, him not taking more interest, but it wasn't his skill set, yeah. you know, fundamentally. And you know what people are like, you know, once they don't feel valued or appreciated by 100%. someone, that's the focus and that's what was the focus.
0: 100%. Um, a lot of the people I'm talking to at the moment, they're all saying they work for the people rather than the other way around. Yeah. I think that's a great, um, great stance to have with the whole thing. I know the day of Oriane, we're, we're very much focused on the people more than anything else and yeah. that really resonates with me massively so you had three businesses on the go simultaneously then one went yeah then,
1: then we had a couple of other businesses
0: We get <laughs> we restless with. Jane huh you get quite restless like, I what? am
1: very, I'm very restless okay. I'm a very a very free spirited which is why I have finally you know we were talking about how you know people don't know what they want to do and I, yeah. I did a talk in one of the schools in Harrogate and I said to them you know it's actually more normal not to know what you want to do than it is knowing what you want to do yeah, and yeah. the ones who do know what they want to do I would question whether they're doing it because they want to or because it's an expectation they're trying to meet
0: for sure yeah
1: <laughs> so um so yeah so I think finally the work that I do now is so varied because obviously it's unraveling the spaghetti that is everybody's emotional trauma
0: but just really quick do you have you got another business ongoing now or is this your sole business that you well
1: i suppose i don't have another business but i have a charity that i um run in zambia
0: okay so just before the zambia one so then what what happened then so you had two businesses still at that point and then you just decided right no that's it I actually don't want to do this anymore. I just want to do something with me.
1: So my ex-husband and I split up and I didn't want to continue to work with him. Okay. So um, I said, you know, you have the businesses. Um, I took the travel business. He took the medical agency. Okay. And I carried on with the travel business, but was more interested. I'd done it, done very well with it. And I wanted a new challenge. So I got involved a short period of time with action coach to do my business coaching training okay uh but didn't like the culture and moved away from that quite quickly (laughs) so uh but yeah and that's what
0: what did you like about the culture of of action coach
1: oh i suppose it's a bit of a I don't want to sort of offend anybody because obviously this is going to be out there in the public domain, but um, it just didn't fit with my own value set. Okay. No, that's
0: that's fair enough. We can talk about your values a little bit later. Okay. So then you, (laughs) so then.
1: uh, And that's really when my personal development journey started in where I committed to it, where I knew I had to do something because I needed to look at myself, you know, of course, my first relationship with my daughter's father, that was something that was not my fault, it was to do with the drug thing. But with this relationship, I played a part in it breaking down and I wanted to understand what it was, that how I'd contributed to that. Um, Because you know, there must have been some truth in some of the comments that flew around at the time we were breaking up. Yeah um and also i wanted that's what led
0: me to do my own actually exactly the same reason it's funny that there's catalysts but Um,
1: so yes that was it and then i became i mean i I trained in nlp i did my practitioners and then i went on to do my master's and what's nlp
0: for people that aren't aware what nlp is
1: so the most famous nlp person if you don't know about nlp is probably tony robbins um, and it's neuro-linguistic programming. So you look at um, languaging, you look at the programming and conditioning of a person, and you look at the way the brain processes to um, to receive information and how we distort, delete, and generalize. And how we embed trauma, basically, through language. Yeah, which we've I find breathed. it
0: fascinating. I once got a guy who was... Um, when I joined Orion, actually, we were looking at doing sales training and when I'm, myself and a colleague were doing a bit of a presentation at a show and there was a bit of nervousness around that so we rather than get anyone to help us out with like sales training we got someone in who was practicing nlp and that was a game changer that was a it was really interesting a guy called dylan layton actually so sorry jane i completely <laughs> sidetracked but I, I i think i find nlp really um fascinating in itself so
1: NLP is fascinating, but unfortunately, it has a bad press, and it's not always used in the way it was intended for it to be used. It can be used manipulatively. Okay. Um, so with positive intention, that is a good thing. But when it's not used with a positive intention, of course, it's not. So, um, it's it's really to understand, the, you know, that point really.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So did that. Then I went on and trained in um really core dynamics of human conditioning and that emotions have energy and they get trapped in the body because we haven't been taught how to feel. And, um, that was really intense as well. And, um, we all came out of that. I said to the guy afterwards, you should have taken a before and after photo. Cause we all looked about 10 years younger after shifting more of our. Oh style.
0: yeah. <laughs> so, um, I was just, how long ago? About three or four years ago, um, I ended up looking at something called EFT, which is tapping, which is that em- emotional freedom technique. I think, and yep. a lot of athletes have been using it and adopting it more and more since. And that's for helping them release some like frustrations and pent up feelings and things yep. like that at any one time. But have you done something like that as well?
1: I have got something like that called Havening. Havening oh, okay. technique. And um, there's um, a company in Australia who are working with the founders of Havening. They do a focus band, which is what measures the um, brain waves in your brain. Okay. Uh, and they're doing endurance training for athletes and using the Havening technique along it. And they're getting some very, very good results. And I worked with a chap who was involved in the cycle last summer. Okay. Last summer and helped him visualize himself achieving the 90-mile bike ride or whatever it was, and he managed to shave an hour off his time.
0: That's incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. So he was well chuffed. So it's very, very good for delinking trauma, uh, for PTSD, but very good as well for visualization, um, you know, which is what a lot of athletes use to see themselves achieving what they want to achieve. Um, and it's very good for, um, basically planting positive subliminal messages and it involves touch. Oh,
0: okay. So uh, that's very technique. And that's called Havening.
1: Havening. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, there's, um, a demo on my website on the Havening page, which is for anxiety and stress around the coronavirus. Okay. Um, so It's just a little giveaway that I gave people. I think I sent you the link on LinkedIn, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Oh, I'll double check that. There's been a lot of messages recently on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, I will
0: yeah. yeah, look for it. Thanks, Jane. And yeah, so... um Getcom.
1: So yeah, and that's, well, that's kind of me in a nutshell, condensed version, you know, because otherwise we'd be here forever. <laughs>
0: And what are the, have you had, um, I suppose there's going to be a lot of stuff that you learn um, during the other businesses, but how easy has it been for you to set this up on your own and start running with it and things like websites? And I know there's going to be, obviously every, a lot of people have got time on their hands at the moment. So uh, where did you begin with, with setting all that up?
1: Well, it was seven years ago when I got back from Zambia because I told you before we started that I'd had a dream to run a safari lodge yeah. from being a very little girl and it being squashed out of me. Um, and I'd allowed myself to be molded into the little round peg, which I clearly didn't fit in. <laughs> and so my youngest son left home and um, it was like, oh, I want to do this now. And it was like, well, well, where do where you start? Because I'd asked my husband, did he want to do it? And he went, well, yeah, but how do you go back? I said, don't worry about that. Do you want to do it? <laughs> and he was like, well yeah so I wrote a list of all the places I'd been to and the people we'd met along the way and procrastinated for a couple of days and then thought right that's it I'm gonna send an email and within an hour of sending the first email the only email I sent I'd had a reply from a guy saying um because I'd asked him for his advice what did he think would I need to do any other training would Sean need to do any other training and it was like no you sound perfect and by the way I'm looking for a management couple. Would you be interested in coming to Zambia for a couple of years? Wow. (laughs) And that was it. It was done. So when I got back from Africa for two years of living in the bush, and I mean right in the middle of it, we had hippos mow the lawn. We had lions outside. We had wildlife around us, all sorts of creepy crawlies, you, you know, We lived on the river. There were crocodiles. Um, It was just incredible, but very, very hard work, and you got cabin fever. So this lockdown for me is walk in the park, really, (laughs) because we were four and a half hours away from Lusaka, the main town. Okay, and shopping was sent in every week by truck. So, um, but when I got back, I thought I'd kept in touch with people through LinkedIn and from through Facebook, and so I had maintained the relationships that I'd had before I went away so I didn't just disappear off the face of the earth which was a really smart move so if ever you're going to do an adventure just make sure you find a way of staying in touch somehow and so I then umdened what do I want to do what don't I want to do and kept on coming back to this type of work so um so it's seven years really and then the coronavirus hit
0: (laughs) And did you, so when you realised you wanted to do this sort of work, did you then look for um, training in the tools that you now use? Or did you decide, I'm doing this, and then along the way think, oh, I'm going to add that to my arsenal, that to my arsenal? Or did you have I, all this available and thought, I'm going to use all this? And
1: I've done a bit of both. I was already okay. trained in NLP, but I wasn't using it particularly Okay. Um, so I brushed up on that. I trained in psychometric profiling as well. So DISC. So um, it's the every, every uh, what's it called? Everything DISC. So it's the only interactive DISC um, profile thing. So I did a training in that.
0: Was that like um, uh, Myers-Briggs, that sort of thing?
1: yeah but it's this one's just more about behaviors you've got four styles of behavior but you have a tendency towards maybe one or two and how to communicate more effectively with styles that are the opposite of yours and how to get communication running in the workplace and that type of stuff so did that brushed up on the nlp did the core dynamics training and um did the havening as well so yeah and then just ran
0: how did you start um So you've got the reason why I'm really interested is because I know quite a few people that, um, and I think more it's more to do with when you when you were just saying about procrastinating for two days. I know a lot of people would think, oh, that's not procrastinating because you've cracked on within two days, but clearly that's procrastinating for you. But I know a lot of people that would be putting off putting off doing anything for a lot more time, and what they tend to do is they think, oh, I'm not ready to do it yet. I'm going to go and do this course and then they complete that course and they'll go, Oh, actually, before I go into, oh, that's what you're like as well. So at what stage did you think I was, I've got enough?
1: I was back okay. then. So I would say probably in the last three years from, well, maybe actually, no, it's probably longer actually. End of 2015, I just thought, Oh my God, something's got to change. <laughs> yeah. something's got to change. I felt like I was hitting my head against a brick wall. And um, the thing that had to change was I had to really use all the tools I had learned and apply them. Yeah. So I started a daily ritual, a daily routine where I'd read the, um, I can't remember the name of the book. It's somewhere on my bookshelf here, but uh, The Miracle Morning.
0: Oh, okay. I know The Miracle Morning. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And um, I just thought, okay, enough's enough. I'm giving, 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 and people are taking, 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 Um, I have to give back to myself first. I've got to, let me just show you this. Got to apply the oxygen mask first. (laughs) (laughs) You believe it, they sell these on eBay.
0: (laughs) Do
1: they? I I use these for presentations. So I decided to use the principle, the analogy of um, you know applying your own oxygen yeah. mask first, and it was the turning point for me, really. Uh, so 2016, from that, I, I didn't drink for 14 months. I got into a daily routine, which incorporated learning how to meditate, um, making sure that I was out with the dogs twice a day, doing some exercise, healthy eating, lots of water, and dealing with stuff when and as it was triggered. And I really became quite upset obs- when I say obsessed by it. I wanted to create a new habit.
0: I find and it that, that, that it resonates so much with me 2 I'd say two and a half years ago was when I, I've always um, had a bit of a routine because of the training that I do, but I really wanted to bring something else into it. And I was recommended by a coach I had at the time about a morning routine to write it down. And that included um, sort of breathing exercises, meditation, journaling you know like gratitude and a lot lot of this and that was a game changer for me so um i'll put the details up for the miracle morning as well actually because it is a fascinating book but um yeah i couldn't agree more with that jane actually
1: and i've got some journals that i still occasionally i picked one up the other day and i went oh my god
0: (laughs) no i read mine as well quite a while about two or three weeks ago and i was like crikey you fit that and that goes, I think that's the importance. Of, if kids are making diaries, I think it's, um, it's so important. It, it me.
1: What? I think that the fundamental thing for me is, is this, is that realization that the, it wasn't going to happen. Just it wasn't, someone else wasn't going to make it happen. I had to make it happen. It was coming from me. It was in me, it was within me. We all have the tools and the resources that we need to be whatever we want to be. yeah, but it's deciding what that is, what does that look like and my business model has changed drastically in in those la- in the last seven years. Um, but then I recognized that my strengths were were in my intuition in my um, in my empathy and in my ability to help people access those tools for themselves, yeah. helping them. Through what I'd been through, but quicker.
0: Yeah, no, that makes sense. Complete sense. I think with, with that morning routine, you're ticking off um, the boxes as well, aren't you? So you've already achieved like five things before you've even left the house at nine o'clock. And I feel once you've got that sense of achievement and accomplishment, it really kicks on the day, and it allows you to go out and do do everything else that you wanted to actually achieve in that day. Um, and did you? I know you really put yourself out there on, on social media from, um, doing like lives or daily journals for everyone else to see. Did you, even with all your tools and things like that, did you find it hard to get out of that comfort zone to, to put yourself out there for people to see? Cause, um, I know from, from me doing this, especially putting videos up and putting myself out there now with the podcast, it was definitely having to get over that, uh, I don't know what the best word would be. Really, just embarrassment from an ego perspective. Know that people might judge you on it, but just be confident in what you're you're doing yourself. Did you find that difficult? Because you seem to be quite natural at it.
1: Well, uh, well, that's interesting because I think I had procrastinated up until the point that coronavirus broke, Mm -hmm. and then I didn't even think about it twice.
0: Yeah, same. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it? That's why I think this will really (laughs) resonate with people. What we're doing at the moment.
1: Yeah, because it was instinctive. I have to get out there and get a message. I have to help people somehow, because obviously we're in really unusual times. People are panicking, they're feeling anxious. So I started, I've done a few visual meditations. I've got some auditory ones for people. I shared the Havening um, exercise as well. I just thought, how can I help people at this point in time? Even though overnight, kind of the business just went shut down it was like i have to do this and it was just something was driving me and i just thought well i don't understand it but i'm going to go with it and so i don't script those videos they just all come out i sometimes make fun of myself the dogs come and they they sort of like nudge my arm and the phone goes flying you know all these sorts of things i just think that is who i am that's me in authenticity and if it helps someone then wonderful and it oh, has definitely. been doing just lovely
0: and i think that so many people In fact, everyone—I genuinely believe—everyone's got something that they can do to help other people. Some people just aren't aware of what it was. There was a um, an interview of a guy called Seth Godin. Actually, I was listening to, and he was um, Mm talking about the difference between an entrepreneur that essentially surrounding themselves with other people that can run a business and make money in that way, or then you have Mm -hmm. what he defines it as is like freelancing, where they're doing things like what you're doing now. So you're not employing other people to do your business. The only person that can do it is you because you've got these tools and you know, you can say certain things to help people. Yeah. And no matter who you are, you, you're you always going to be a little bit ahead of some people that are looking to go on a similar journey to what you're going on. And yeah. I think that everyone's got it in them to, to get out there and talk and to help other people. It's just getting over that self-awareness piece, I suppose, where, you're a bit nervous about it, but.
1: I mean, I've had some. I've had a bit of um, a, a couple of negative things happen since I've been doing it. Um, someone told me that I was touching my face, and that that wasn't a great message to put out there. Um, I touched my face. Oh, literally
0: since... since the corona thing. So you've been touching your face. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're um, always going to get people pulling you up for things, aren't you?
1: It was interesting because I noticed my. I was reacting. I felt myself react. I felt this energy of something coming up. It was like a trigger. And I I get my first reaction was like, well, what the? And then I went, whoa, focus on what's triggering you. So I focused on that. I went for a walk. I processed it. I dealt with how I was feeling. And I thought, I know how I'm going to respond. I'm just going to say thank you very much for watching my videos. And thank you so much for pointing it out.
0: Yeah. I think... (laughs) Yeah, you really have to. um, Whenever you do a video, you are putting yourself out there in the public domain, aren't you? And there's going to be people that will watch you, and it will resonate, and they'll appreciate it, and they'll like it. And then there'll be people that are watching it, and half the time, for the people that are judging, you don't know what's going on in their own lives and the stuff they're dealing with, Mm -hmm. and the issues they're having, or the anger that's in within them to actually spend the time judging people and commenting negatively in a way to influence someone else. I think.
1: But of course, judgment is about the other person. The person who's judging, it's about something that's triggered in them exactly. and they don't know how to deal with it. So they avoid it. They distract themselves by focusing on someone else because it's easier than dealing with the crap that's going on inside of them. Because I got a lot of stick for going out for a walk before we got the proper total um, shutdown. And I was <laughs> like, it, so, so I did a, a video and I just said, you know what okay people have been saying that i was irresponsible i was walking somewhere where there were no other people i was doing it for my mental health and i know how important it is for me to do this so before you start casting the throw at the stone just be gentle be kind try and put yourself in someone else's shoes because if i don't do this it's going to affect me negatively yeah And I just thought, no, this is how I can share a message rather than sort of like getting defensive and start attacking. Because attacking is that kind of defensive rage. It's like trauma based. It's other stuff that's coming up. And, you know, where most of us have been in this fearful state of mind. And of course, the body goes into that high alert. Okay, I've got to survive. And so what happens is we flight, freeze, fight or get into defensive rage.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, speaking, yeah: I really admire you for how you handled it because I know a lot of people It's, it's that classic, isn't it if, if even if you get an email and you're, and you're writing back and, and you're like you can feel yourself getting angry as you're responding to something, and when people tell you just to sit on it for a day before you I don't know anyone that's ever sat on an email response or a text response for a day and then reread it the next day and gone. I'm still going to send it. I don't, I just don't, I can't recall that ever happening. I think everyone's ever, or it's always come to the conclusion. It's probably, and the moment might have passed as well, mightn't it? It's not even, you have to tone down the reply. Sometimes it doesn't even warrant one once you've had a look at that. Exactly.
1: Exactly. But I mean, I know a guy in the last three weeks who reacted to an email he got and he totally shut down a group, a networking group like that.
0: Cause he just had enough and he's,
1: he, he just literally didn't give himself time to process it he reacted in the moment sent this email and it could never take back what he'd said in this email and that was it it was over
0: Wow, well, i'm seeing a lot of uh, things on social media similar where people were um, very opinionated initially it was brexit now it's how the government handle covid19 and <laughs> everyone just feels that they've got an opinion on it and sometimes it can escalate very very quickly so
1: i'll tell you what the problem is dan is people want to be right and if people could just let go of that need to be right the world would be a much better place
0: yes, because
1: we don't have to be right we don't have to be there doesn't have to be a right or wrong there could just be a difference opinion. You know? mutual respect yeah. end off.
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, I value your opinion. Please value mine. If you don't value mine, that's okay though. <laughs> but I value your opinion and that's it.
1: Yeah, but anyway, so <laughs> yes. So um I I'm definitely uh the the old me would have um <laughs> been in orbit with a lot of the things that have happened in recent times, but I'm literally it's kinda like that's not about me, that's about that person. I'm not taking that on. Yeah. Thank you very much. You can have it back.
0: And, we, and you enjoy the business you do now then jane obviously
1: yeah i love it love it really and do i love i love doing i do quite a lot of speaking engagements go and do conferences and oh, wow, okay. uh, workshops and stuff i love that side of the business as well and um I'm supposed to be doing something in june which may be cancelled i don't know uh but uh yes yeah, so how I many people
0: it. are attending probably so,
1: might be online? You never know.
0: <laughs> no, I think a lot more stuff will be online indefinitely, won't it? Where yeah, it's possible. yeah.
1: But I love that moment where I see someone who comes in to see me, where they've actually they are. I mean, I've had. Very, I, I generally speaking have professional people who come to see me, um, who are wanting some kind of breakthrough, and it's that moment that that are uh, you know, it's like the light bulb's gone on, and they yeah. go, oh yeah okay and they can see that there's like the end of the tunnel and i just love that i and
0: think everyone seeing, I, should have a coach or, or or mentor of some sort i think it really helps especially when someone's got skills like you've got obviously that can help how would you go about um with a business you've got and the website's great how do you attract um clients or how do you find clients to work with
1: primarily word mouth. is it I've had some stuff through LinkedIn, but I think think that's almost word of mouth, if that makes any sense, because people generally speaking, watch what's going on in terms of behaviors and interactions. And it's like, they already kind of know you because you know someone that they know and that's how they've seen your interactions. And I think it's that whole, how you conduct yourself, you know, I am who I say I am. I am my brand. Uh, It's kind of like, I walk the talk, talk, the talk.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, um, but yeah, I think at the moment it's kind of, it, I could get consumed with worrying about it, but it's a waste of energy. So I'm thinking, what can I do to change things? What can I do? It's works very well online as well. Sure, um, definitely. but it's just, um, looking at doing some online courses, which is kind of what I'm doing to keep myself busy at the moment. Yeah.
0: I, doing it, the I always find it fascinating when there's a brand like yours because your brand is literally you isn't it so you're not you're still creating a brand but essentially it is just you how do, as in jane Keo's is your website as well isn't it how do people get in touch with you if they want to
1: they can either um email me directly which is jane co jane at jane uk. yeah <laughs> <laughs> or they can contact me through my Facebook page, or my LinkedIn, or um, Instagram, or they can give me a call. They're searching eight.
0: on your name on all those platforms, they'll come across you easily
1: enough. I'm very easy to contact. My contact details are on my LinkedIn profile. Um, okay. I just—I um, mean, it's like when people connect with me on LinkedIn, I just say to them, you know, in the first instance, I'd like to grow. Get to know you a little bit, so I'm happy to connect with you. But please don't sell at me straight away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll put I'll put you on the um, on the links anyway, so people can get in touch with you. Hopefully, it won't. Yeah, go yeah, that, that's well.
1: perfect. But and um, yeah, so I mean, the key thing at the moment is be aware of your thoughts. Watch what you do with your thoughts because what tends to happen is we grab hold of the thought, and then the thought turns into a story, and then the story turns into a drama, and then the drama turns into a storm, and then the storm becomes a catastrophe. Yeah. So, worrying about what's going to happen is just a waste of your energy. So, bring yourself back into the moment, focus on something positive because when you're doing something, taking small steps towards positive action, you feel better.
0: Yeah, most definitely. I think someone else told me um, another, I think it was like the definition of fear was um, false expectations appearing real. Yeah. So people getting really worked up in it. It's like I've said to people at work in our in our sales team, the account managers, they'll be going to a meeting and they'll be getting really anxious about what they think the meeting might go like, only to come and phone me up after it and say, well, that was a great meeting. And I was like, of course it will be because... You're trying to do everything you possibly can to help out someone. So it's always worse in your head, isn't it?
1: Fear, oh. generally speaking, other than the primal fear. And the problem is, is the brain can't tell the difference. Yeah. It's what we tell ourselves it is. But fear, the fear that is created through our thoughts is actually an illusion. It's a projection based on a previous experience that we think might possibly happen in the near future. Yeah. <laughs> It's a fairy tale, like go of it.
0: But the future hasn't even happened. So you're getting scared about something that yeah. hasn't even happened yet, which is insane. Easier said to do, though. Hence why you need people like you to help the tools. But,
1: but The thing is, is when you get into overwhelm, you shut down your ability to think clearly and to be creative. Yeah. So breaking state, which is when you start to get yourself really wound up and you're feeling really anxious, getting up, going for a breath of fresh air, you know, going for a walk, connecting with nature, it all helps. Looking at yeah. your breathing, focusing on your breathing, that just brings you back into the moment. Yeah. It lets go of the thought.
0: Yeah, breathing is very important. And I mean that in the, in the best part. I don't mean just fundamentally to life. <laughs> I mean just, yeah, breathing can <laughs> literally have such yeah. a big impact if it's done in the right way. Yeah, no, definitely... Yeah. definitely. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jane. I really appreciate you coming on
1: you're really welcome and it's great to meet you finally Because there's
0: been, <laughs> been a few exchanges well. isn't
1: yeah yeah absolutely Perfect. but if anyone has any questions or want to get in touch I'm happy to jump on zoom and have a chat
0: that's amazing cool thanks yeah. Jane enjoy the rest of your Monday
1: thank that's you you too take care yeah,
0: take care bye all
1: right cheers bye